welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. It's time for you and those you love to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Move Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a free one hour live online class where you'll hear new and empowering information about how to solve addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, or being labeled for life. If you're struggling or you love someone who is, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org and choose the date and time that works for you. See you at the masterclass. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we wrote, along with Stephen Slate, the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap. And the Freedom Model for the Family. All right. So we have to always give the plug for the free master class that we provide uh, the public. And that is an hour long and we do it every week. Uh, we record it. So if you can't make the live event time slots, uh, you can, as long as you're registered, you can watch them at your leisure. And uh, it's the best hour you'll spend if you have a substance use problem or you know somebody that has one. Um and uh, it introduces you to the concepts of the freedom model and to freedom, to actual freedom uh, from the concept, the construct of addiction and uh, how to solve your problem. And we actually review some of the lessons of the freedom model online program in there. So you get a feel for what it is we do in our programs. And if you want, if you're watching this, there's a QR code right here. My, pointing at it. If you're listening, uh, just go to thefreedommodel.org and register there. There'll be a pop-up that shows up. You can also get a free book there as well. Yes. Yes. All sorts of good stuff. So today, I think this is a great time of year to start talking about magic. Yeah. That everybody wants a little magic in their life. And, and it's okay. It's totally normal. Yeah. So so people look for magic through substances and they're taught from birth really in Western culture that these substances provide uh, magic. And the question is, do they? Well, I'm not even sure people realize that that's what they're looking for. I know. Do you they, know, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm, it occurred to me. So the other morning I, I, I hadn't gotten any sleep because, and I had a long day ahead of me. I was teaching a class. We had somebody that came in from out of town that we were meeting with all day. And um, I had got, I had gotten up before 4am so I could bring my son to the airport. And it got to be, I don't know, like 8, 39 o'clock. And I, I was, maybe I'll just take a quick nap before this person comes in out of town. I tried, I couldn't. So I thought, okay, I'm going for a walk. I'm going for a walk. And as I'm walking, 
um, it's kind of drudgery. It's cold, dark morning. It's windy. And all of a sudden it started to snow and it was the, it's the first snow of the season. It was November 1st. I did a little video on it. Some of you might've seen it in the shorts. It was a popular little video. It was a popular little video because that was when it occurred to me that we all look for magic. Well, because your mood changed when the snowflakes were flying and, and here's what's funny about objective truth and subjective ideas. Uh, when we, when we imbue a situation, we color it with our mind. We have a perspective on situations. We have perspectives on objects. We have perspectives on relationships. We formulate constructs within our mind about subjects, right? Things, ideas. And, but the human mind is the thing that, that frames the meaning of these things in our lives. And then we have feelings that are associated with those ideas. If you see a person that you once went out with and you had a tough breakup, it'll be co- your ideas about that will be colored with the idea of, oh God, I don't want to see that person because of A, B, C, D, and E. Um, if you had a wonderful relationship, maybe you might be thinking, oh God, I wish I could still be with that person. Or or there might be a car. I'll give you an example. Here's a good example of, a, of an object that I imbue with um, with magic a certain amount of magic in my mind, uh, a feeling, a sensation that that is important to me. And it was my first motorcycle that I bought. It was a 1975 YZ80. And every once in a while, I go on vintage motorcycle sites and I, I look at it and it instantly reminds me, I can remember very vividly the scratches, the wear marks on the motor. I remember the feeling of the grips because they were the original grips. I remember everything about it because it was so important to me. And it brings me back like a time capsule in my mind. Yes. Now I could reframe that and, and decide I don't want to think about that and, um, and reframe it completely uh, in a different way. If I, if I was inclined to do that and, and say to myself, I don't want to care about that anymore. And I could get rid of that idea. The point is our mind has this amazing ability to create its own world. And, and we desire, uh, I think, a, a more colorful world because the yeah. world is tough. Now, I want to talk quickly and then I'll, I'll let Michelle talk because I, I tend to ramble. But the when she was walking, where this came from was she had gone for the walk and, she's, and it was a magical moment when the snowflakes started flying. And I said, but objectively what you're looking at is water frozen falling <laughs> from the sky yes. because it's freezing and it's coalescing the cells of H2O and it's gray and it was windy and it was cold. And if you stayed out long enough, it would kill you. So yes. objectively, so see there's objective truth and then there's subjectivity and the subjectivity is oh, it's a change of seasons. We're getting closer to the holidays. Cause when she came in, she's like, Oh my God, it feels like Christmas. And you know, mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Like when you think about it. Yeah. I Well, it, it was it, – because there are other people, I'm sure, who who would look at that and go and would have thought, oh, great, now it's snowing on me. Like I'm, I'm tired and it's sure. cold and windy. And at one point it was snowing really hard. <laughs> Like we, it was a, it was a full on snow squall that actually coated the ground really quickly and, and which made it a little bit dangerous because I'm walking along a pretty busy road. Um, but none of that occurred to me. 
none of that occurred to me because, because for me, I do love the snow and I do love the change of seasons. And, and so, so my whole life, it has been a, like a source of magic. I actually here, I, I got to just tell this quick story. Okay. So we're, we're going to put this into addiction context. We are, we are. So when, and this is why I use the Santa Claus analogy. I was probably eight or nine years. No, it was younger, seven, maybe seven years old because it was right before we moved. Um, we moved. And um, it was my last Christmas in this one house um, in Oswego County, which if anybody who knows that that part of New York State, it's it gets, yeah, it gets probably some of the highest snowfall in the country. Okay. And, and it was, you know, it was Christmas Eve and it was snowing like crazy. And we had just gotten home from my grandmother's house. So it was late. I mean, we usually got home, I, I don't even know, like 9, 10 o'clock at night. And now we lived across the street from a bar that my dad used to frequent. Um, and we lived kind of on a busy road. But none of that mattered. I, we got out and it was snowing so hard. And it just felt, it was kind of quiet, you know, because when it snows like that, it gets really quiet, which I love. And... All of a sudden, I swear to God, I heard sleigh bells. Mm -hmm. And I looked up in the sky. No, it's snowing so hard you can't see anything. But I look up in the sky and I saw Santa Claus. <laughs> I was <laughs> convinced that it that in my seven-year-old mind, holy crap, there's Santa. Right. We, and then I was like, I was like, we have to go to bed. We have to go to bed right now. And I mean, I, in it literally happened for me. I believed it. I believed right. it. You manifested. It could have been a shadow, but you manifested something. I did. Yeah. I did. And so that feeling that I had that night, every time it snows, that's where that comes from for me. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Yeah. I say that by February, towards the end of February, if we're getting snow, if we're still getting snow, I'm over it. Doesn't feel very magical, especially because usually in February up here, the highs are right around 20 degrees. Um, and it's really, really cold. Like when it's like 30 degrees and snowing, that makes me happy. <laughs> when it's like zero and snowing, not so much. So, so, anyways, that I had to tell that story about magic. But but I don't think when you become an adult, you realize that you're seeking magic. I don't think you are either, because it would seem silly. Right? Yes. And the other thing is we have these myths about drugs. So we're going to move this into the drug world, right? The substance world. Um, most people don't know that the drugs aren't magical. They, they really believe they do make people relaxed. They really do believe that they make people less stressed. They make them uh, distracted. They make them lose their anxiety. So if you believe that Santa Claus is real and you really believe that in adulthood, then Santa Claus is real. That's right. Okay. So now objectively Santa Claus is not real in that concept, right? So, so you can only really kid yourself and slightly hurt yourself, you'd be made fun of, right? About believing in Santa Claus. Even if you had a good argument for it, people would look at you like you have five heads. So the point is anytime that you believe in mythology, you can only get away with mythology and magic 
because magic isn't real. It's it's the point is it's an illusion that you've created for yourself or somebody has created for you that you believe. Um, you can only hurt yourself. In the end, it doesn't. It, there's not a net gain. Now there may be a net gain in the beginning of you being happy and yeah. and, and disillusioned, right? And living in your own world. And we see people who believe that alcohol, for instance, takes the edge off. That's a massive myth. That's not objectively true. Alcohol has no capacity whatsoever. Acetaldehyde poisoning has no way to know what your thoughts are and how you feel about stressful things in your life. So we have to, with our own mind, imbue it with magic and say, oh, I get to uh, loosen up after work and have a few toddies for the body. And, and now I get to have my vacation. So we imbue, like Michelle imbued, falling frozen ice crystals into a emotional experience. We do exactly the same thing with substances. And when you put it in that context, you suddenly start to realize just how much magic you've put into. Yeah. If you have a massive heroin problem, for example, you have bought into the marketing from the opiate companies and your dealer as well. And treatment. And treatment that has made it the devil. It has made it heaven. The devil, it has made it your, you know, your biohack. It's a warm blanket. Yes. Yeah, for your emotions. Yep. You know, and and uh, so what is it? It's actually just a painkiller, physical painkiller. It doesn't change your thoughts. So, so it's a wild thing, this trick, this mind trick that we play on ourselves with substances where we give the substance the credit for the change in our mood when the only operative force of the mind is you, your mind. There is no, there is no drug mind changing your mind. There's only your mind changing your mind. Yeah. And that's a wild trick that we play on ourselves. You know, we are believing in Santa Claus when we believe that drugs do something magical to our mind. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, you know, I think a world without magic would be pretty sad. And I agree. I, you know, I agree. but there's so there's nothing wrong with seeking magical moments and magical experiences. I mean, um, but it's important to understand that you're the one creating them. I think that that's where. So you have problematic use, and then you have uh, successful moderated use, which usually is not problematic. It's defined as non-problematic use. So. I think that when you get to a place where your drinking or your drugging habits change, where successful moderation is what you actually want, um, you understand that it's magic yeah. that you're making up. You yeah. kind of understand that the drink isn't or the drug isn't the operative force here, that it's you engaging in a, in a sort of fantasy with the drug and imagery, uh, social settings. You're, you're imbuing all of that with um, uh, a certain setting, right? And, and that's all in your mind. That's you making that happen. And I think you subconsciously almost say to yourself, yeah, I'm going to engage in this little fantasy that's relatively harmless. And our life is filled with that. Yeah. We might, we might leave in the morning to go to work and, and go in a, I have a forerunner that's a forest green trail edition, right? And I, it's my hunting rig. I fucking love that car. <laughs> I, I, now there's nothing special about it, really. If you objectively looked at it, there's billions of them out on the road. They're everywhere. Yeah, she has one. I, I have one. I have a forerunner. And I, I know a lot of the big woods guys have it. Um, 
but I love that thing because it's got the right rims on it. It's got, it's just a cool, cool, cool cat. Um, and I have a little emotional thing that adds to my life every time I get into it, you know, because yeah. I like mechanical well, things. Yeah. I, I think the most magical experiences for me usually come surrounding music. Mm. Um, and, and it was an interesting thing because when I was young and a heavy substance user, I genuinely thought, and I've said this before in other episodes, I've genuinely thought that I needed to be high and drunk um, when I was at concerts and stuff, that somehow that that made the experience magical. And I think I was, you know, abstinent maybe 10 days, two weeks when we all went to a concert together. And um, I, was it the Steve Miller yeah, band? It was Steve Miller. It was Steve Miller yeah. band. And, um, and I realized when I, I, at first I was, you know, I was anxious because, you know, I was with all these people that were sober um, and it was a group of young people and we all just decided to go together and it was an outdoor venue. And um, when I relaxed and I allowed myself to relax, I, and the music was playing and I was like, holy crap, this is a, this is a magical experience all on its own. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's when I started understanding um, how much, how, how much I can lose myself with music. Yeah. So, so you're bringing up something I want to, so let me back up. If you were to look at the world with a, an infant's eyes, an infant doesn't know that this is a freedom model cup. I have one too. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> we have matching cups. freaking cool. Right. <laughs> but that's the point. If if somebody didn't know that was the freedom model, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you holding up? It's meaningless to me." <laughs> right. right. So so as as people, as we're growing with experience and wisdom, we're attaching more and more meaning to certain things, but we're also letting go of meaning. Oh, that's this, true too. This is really important. And for whatever reason, now it, the reasons are forty five billion dollars a year. The treatment industry wants you to believe that you will not lose the meaning you have placed and the magic you have placed in substances, which is very abnormal. It is very abnormal to uh, to continue to like one thing to your death uh, that has a high, enormous cost to it. That's kind of a rare thing. Because yeah. humans are very good at problem solving and we tend, if we have other options, to gravitate to the thing that's going to make us happier. Now, sometimes those things aren't good for us, but most of the time we sort it out. So to have one thread in your life that absolutely, unequivocally is your avenue, the only avenue to happiness, you feel you need it for your happiness, they've convinced you that you need it for your happiness. And basically, it's all magic, it's bullshit, because none of it's even true. It doesn't objectively, you know, the snowflakes weren't creating Christmas here, folks. No, it's frozen water, to the same degree, acetaldehyde poisoning, which is what being drunk is, is not relieving stress, relieving anxiety, making you sexy, making you taking more, you to the beach. It's it's not that's all subjectivity magic that we are imbuing into a acetaldehyde poisoning. OK, so so that's a strange thing to hang on to, because objectively, when you're believing in mythology, 
you end up not really getting the experience you want because Santa Claus really isn't coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can say, I believe in Santa. I believe in Santa. But if you wait up Christmas Eve and wait for Santa to drop off presents to you and do nothing, there's no presents coming. So to the same degree, when you're drinking in the hotel or smoking crack in the hotel, and it falls really short of your expectations, that's because you're believing in Santa Claus. The imbuing of all this fantasy only goes so far so long before you'll get bored of it and need new fantasies and new drugs and new experiences. And you can chase those things. Some people chase that kind of pleasure uh, right to their death and and they go from thing to thing. Maybe that's the type of person they are. That's the type or the style of happiness that they've invested in. Then there are other people that invest in more realistic things, things that have more substance in reality and have less magic associated with them. Whether it's a career where you have visceral things that you're building and creating that actually have a deeper value. That's not to say that pleasure doesn't have value or that fantasy doesn't have its role. We're always providing meaning to things, but some things have a good lasting lifetime to it and other things don't. And, and some things are just downright costly Yeah. and illicit substance use is exceedingly costly. Now, if we didn't have a war on drugs, we would probably get over our problems much quicker because we wouldn't build such uh, value in the deviance of it yeah. and and imbue all kinds of value that it's such a coveted experience because it's illicit, because it's so powerful, right, that we have to make it illegal for you to use. This is why in cultures where they go against sexuality or masturbation, they have high rape rates. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. you create deviance, you will create starvation for it, and you will build value into it until people just feel they need it. You know, yeah, yeah there's there's definitely a lure to the taboo uh, for a lot of people, which really does tie into uh, a magical experience. Like yeah. the taboo creates that value there um, that there's there's this is you know they don't want me to do this, so this must be super magical. Yeah, and I now I'm gonna hide it, which is energy. It's mindful energy. Mm -hmm. So when you invest mindful energy into a habit, a an activity, an object. I, I can't tell you how many heroin users I know that sit there and talk about, I, I literally like the ritual of shooting up. Oh, yes. Right? And and then people on the outside go, oh, that's so, that's so nasty. You know, how could they like stick a needle in their arm? Well, well, it's the expectancy and they've built magic into that experience. Um, you could take it to the extreme and look at sadomasochists who find uh, orgasm in in pain, yeah. right? Um, or what about the ritual of putting the ice in the glass and getting the bottle and driving to the liquor store and then going to the hotel or going into your garage to drink it? Um, so my point is, it's all about meaning. Yes. Your mind is creating the meaning. These things are lifeless objects that we imbue with magic. And then when we take it into our body, the reason it becomes so believable, unlike Santa Claus, it goes into your bloodstream. Yeah. And there's it does a, things. Yes. Yes. But it doesn't change your mind. So that's the conflating confusion that happens in this process of being drunk all the time or high all the time or having a habit with it is you feel a sensation, which then our society has convinced you 
that physical sensation is stress relief. Yes. So when, when you can't, when that nuance isn't understood, you're in real trouble because your magic becomes justified by the physical sensation. And you're like, fuck you. I'm getting high and my stress goes away, Mark. And I say, no, you, you get a physical sensation and then you make the determination for yourself. I'm going to let go for a little while. Yeah. This is my distraction, but that's you. But sometimes too, I think what happens and when we, when we've worked with people that have a very, very strong binge construct where it, they don't even, they barely have a three drink window yeah. where, where you are chasing this and it's, it's all, it's gotten elusive and bored, boring. And, but you, you, but you want to hang on to it because you're seeking that magic so hard, um, that, that sometimes you dive deeper and go deeper into darkness. I want to say you go and it's, you just don't allow yourself. You're not at that point. I think you're hanging on to something that you've already actually grown past to a certain extent. That's so that's so important what you're saying. That's exactly right. So so we see that a lot with people like you and I that started young. Yeah. Because because fantasies when you're young are God, they're are, powerful. Well, they're powerful. Yeah, they're hugely powerful because you're constructing your world within your mind. You're imbuing, you're creating your meanings. So the meaning of drinking when you're 12, 13, 14, 16 is extremely poignant, just like the meaning of your first car is, or the first time you got laid is, or yeah. the first time you got yelled at is because everything is a first in your, from age zero to about 20, everything is really, really powerful. And, and the mythology of drinking and drugging and substance lore when you drink the first time and you feel the sensation, you go, oh, this is the Coors commercial. Yeah. Like you don't say it literally like that, but you're like, oh, the mountains are so much better, you know, because that's what you've been taught. So it's all framed for you already. It's all, it's all there for you. The framework of lies by the industry. So, and then if you get thrown in rehab young, now it's off to the fucking races, you yeah. know, because you believe drugs and alcohol are it like it's everything. And then, but what Michelle just said is really important. Then now you're 25, 30, 35, still imbuing it with the same meaning you gave it at 12 and 13. And it falls short. You know why? Because the context of your life is different. You're wiser. You have all this varied experience in life that it can compare to, and it doesn't really stack up. And you have real things in your life. You have relationships that are, yes. have a deeper, actually objectively true meaning right? They're not magical. You, you certainly imbue magic on top of them, but having a marriage is real, but giving a lifeless substance, meaning that it actually changes your mind is not real. That's Santa Claus. So it's hard as an adult to believe in Santa Claus. Yeah, it it's, is. it's hard to go into a bender and make alcohol something it actually can't do. And you can try my God. I watch people drink for four or five days straight smoke crack until they've hocked everything they own, desperately trying to make it the 15 year old fantasy it once was. Yeah. And that is why, look at, that is why you see people 
go kind of go in and out of heavy use, right? So, and and that now we've tied that our culture it's tied all of these stress and trauma and anxiety tied it with heavy substance use because when you formed that relationship with substance those belief systems around them when you were a teenager and in your 20s and it was a your lifestyle was different it was a party time um everything was magical and fun and maybe you got your shit together right which we do see and and you got married you have a career you have everything going on and here you are sliding into your 40s and shit gets hard i mean like trauma happens um you know we lose people we don't think we're going to lose we lose jobs we think we thought we were going to be in forever um you know uh, we have a kid that ends up being a nightmare i mean it's like stuff happens and real life is happening in your 40s and you remember that magic, right? You remember that magic from when you were 21 and you were with that dude and it was, and now you're scrolling Facebook looking for the dude and because the magic was there, but, but he's also in his forties and got shit going on. Right. But, but right. you know, and then you're like, I'm going to go out with the girls and, and, and somehow sometimes that's how you know, you, you start digging deep and that's why we see the, the person that drinks heavily and, and the Matthew Perry's of the world are rare, you know, that's right. Matthew Perry could get away with it because he was a, a multimillionaire. Okay. Most people don't have heavy, um, don't just drink or drug exclusively and do nothing else their whole their whole lives most people go in and out of it in and out of problematic substance use because they're tying that they're looking for that magic yeah so so this is something that we do if if all of this sounds like oh my god that's me that's because nearly everybody has a version of this and we yep. call that their binge construct. A binge construct isn't a universal thing. It's individual to the person. You have a binge construct. That's your style. It's, it's imbuing all these fantasies and all this misinformation and chasing that futilely, which is why you double down and you destroy yourself. So in, in our complete addiction solution program, for example, we spend the entire second day digging into your mm. personal binge construct and deconstructing it. What is a lie? What is untrue? What is fantasy? And what other fantasies are you attaching to the drug experience and binge and bender? And, and that is a complex thing because each person has a past, they have a family, they have a culture, and they have their drug of choice that all they have imbued meaning to all of that. That is their own meaning and how it all interrelates with the drug and the drug experience and the drug ritual is the binge construct. So people say to me, oh, do I really need to come to you to, to undo that? No, no. Most people, most people are going to figure that out over a period of time and outgrow it. They're going to say this doesn't fucking work. But then there's people like me and Michelle who, when we're in that place back in the day, you're, you're really a believer. Yeah. You're a believer that the magic, fuck you. The magic is there, dude. You know, I do get stress relief. And when you start to defend that, 
you're lost because it's not real. That really is you believing in Santa Claus to the point where the entire world is looking at you like you're crazy going, dude, you do know that's not real, right? You know, so all the moderate drinkers, all the, the, the billions of people out there that have gotten drunk and don't get drunk anymore, they figured it out. They're like, this doesn't really work. They don't double down on the fantasy because they've come to grips with the fact that this isn't real. Yeah. And in, to, in one way or another, humans are very good at figuring things out. But that's not to say you're a bad person because you struggle with this. It just means you're horribly confused. You may have been taught a whole host of mythology like Matthew Perry was, you know, just that, that you, you know, you will never like something more than drinking and drugging. That is such a. God, it's terrible. Uh, well, it's how you kill people. Yeah. It's how you fucking kill people. It's so crazy to me. Yeah. There's no reason. There's no reason to go to meetings every day and talk about what you can't do anymore. Number one, it's a lie to say you can't do it anymore. And number so, so when we, when I always talk about the onion, the belief system surrounding substances and addiction in general is set up to make people feel trapped forever. Okay. And I, and I don't think that was nefariously done. I just think it was a combination of misinformation over a hundred plus years, actually over thousands of years, because the magic is thousands of years old, That's the, right. that idea. That's right. And, but you don't see the problems with substances in other parts of the world that you do here because they don't build up the mythology so much exactly you know, they don't they, they don't, don't double it down by saying it's the angel and the devil right and, and mostly they don't believe that it is a mental medicinal emotional elixir right to the same degree we do they do i think they a lot of cultures believe in some sort of relaxation because it's easy to conflate physical reaction and, and yeah, being, yeah and feeling a little numb too and and but they don't they don't say my god it, you you self-medicate almost to death and you have to find alternative coping mechanisms you know they don't that, well and they don't and they don't have this idea that you're that that you will be enslaved by it right right that's so right. That's a great I mean, point it's great point. Nearly all of us learned that from childhood. And, yeah. You know, my generation and younger, we learned that in school health class that, ooh, there's this thing called addiction that can get you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so now if that I, I want to reiterate that itchy. a lot of people, a lot of people watch the podcasts. We talked about this in a podcast, probably 10 podcasts ago. They piecemeal this all together and they're still struggling. Don't do that to yourself. If, if you're somebody who keeps going on benders, get the coaching, get, uh, come in and meet with us for the two-day workshop, spend the money, do it because you can get this done. Now, that's not a sales job. I'm telling you this because we provide that service because people struggle needlessly. You don't have to struggle. We can do it in a couple of sessions. It might be just a couple of sessions, but we might do two sessions and then find out, wow, you got a binge construct that is highly adapted. You you are like completely a believer in the religion that substances provide mental and emotional medicinal value. Yeah. Then And, and you've attached all kinds of other fantasies and rituals to that. So you got a deep, deep binge construct. Some people don't have that. They have a, a mild one that can be gone with a, a couple of lessons and we deconstruct something small. Yeah. And if, and also I, I, you know, I, 
have contact with people that are kind of still back and forth between, you know, going to meetings in AA and then they come yeah, back exactly. in yeah, the group don't and then they go to meetings yeah. in AA. And I understand it. I understand I it because AA is a cult and it is designed to make you think that if you're going to do anything else, you're fucked. Yeah. Right. They, they want you to be fearful to leave them and question the dogma. And if, if, if anything, if nothing else convinces you that that's a cult and it's harmful, that should, that idea that, oh, it's my, it's, this is my, my alcoholic mind. This yeah. is my stinking thinking that it's making me think that I can do the freedom model and actually get over this problem. You can, and nearly everyone does. That's right. And, and, and without the freedom, like you, you are not different. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You just have the wrong information and your, your fear and, and programming undermine your efforts to solve the problem. That's what's happening. So I wanted to just say something about our complete addiction solution program. We have decided that, you know, based on doing this a few times that we are going to make that completely private. Um, the people that have come here and done the two day workshop with us privately, uh, it's, it's just been amazing. And, and we do see that there is, that's definitely the ideal way to do it. Yeah. Like I think it's everything that we do it, it now is one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, now in the case of, uh, CASP, we call it CASP, complete addiction solution program that two day workshop where people fly in, they spend the time. That's obviously two on one. It's me and Michelle and you. Yep. Um, and, uh, there are sections, let's say that you're a lady with some private things. Um, when we get to those portions, I leave the room, Yep. you know, and vice versa. If you're a guy, you might, you might, uh, need my attention more than Michelle's on certain subjects that yep. are uncomfortable. So, so know that, um, don't let that be something that drives you away. Um, and yeah, we're very sensitive to those things. We've been doing this for a really, really long time. Yeah. And if, if that's something that you just can't do, you just can't leave home, then do the entire, uh, coaching program. It's about or, do the, or start with the online program. That's it. Uh, and the, the only, yeah. th we yep. do have once a month, if you are a member of the online program, once a month, there is a live Q and a with Mark and I, it is a group type setting, but it is not a meeting structure. You're, 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 it is in zoom, but there's not a bunch of faces, right? Yeah. You don't Talking see heads. each other. You don't no, see each other. Not, there's no cameras on people. You can either, um, raise your hand and ask a question at one, I allow one question at a time, or you can type it in the Q and a, you don't have to talk at all. And we answer the questions, not the group. No, because just us, we have it structured so that you're getting the answers from the horse's mouth, the creators of the freedom model. So it's just this one, it basically is one on one, but yeah. other people are watching and benefiting from that experience for two full hours. So you're getting that. And that, that program is so cheap and there's over a hundred to video tutorials on this curriculum. And there's 12 step deprogramming seminar series, which, which is tremendous for those people who are waffling. Right. Yeah, if you're if you're going in and out of AA, take that deprogramming section. Yeah, it's I think it's five uh, one hour videos. Yep, and I'll deprogram you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you the truth. You'll have no question afterwards. Like, oh, I'm not going back to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, I think we've covered it all. Look at there's no there's nothing wrong with looking for a little magic in your life, but the great news is 
you can make it for yourself with a whole host of different things, things that you like. Um, and uh, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's right. Move on with your life. You can move on. <laughs> All right, everybody. Bye. Have a great day. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? Well, that's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.